talk to music people about movies about music people i'm naomi i use she her pronouns i'm crystal i use she her pronouns and we are basic bitches today we're talking with shauna potter from war on women about crybaby john waters 1990 musical ode to teen exploitation movies of the 1950s set in baltimore the movie stars johnny depp as wade crybaby walker a teenage hellcat from the wrong side of town and his gang as they collide with the more socially acceptable but distinctly less honorable squares and square adjacent allison crybaby's controversial love interest um thank you so much for joining us would you like to introduce yourself yeah no thank you so much for having me um yeah so i sing for a band called war on women um, I'm also the author of a book called Making Spaces Safer. Uh, I've been training venues and spaces of all kinds to be safer spaces uh, for the last seven or eight years. Um, I teach bystander intervention. Um, you know, basically, I just want everyone to have a good time. <laughs> I want equal access to leisure time. I want, I don't want jerks to ruin everyone else's good time. Uh, so. I don't know if that puts me in the square or drape category because um, I believe in a little bit of personal freedom. Everyone should be who they are. And if your idea of a good time is harassing someone for that, then, you know, fuck off. Um, but yeah, so if anyone's looking to hire me, uh, I'm putting that out there now because that's the world we live in. Mm -hmm. um, people can find that out by going to shaunapotter.com. Uh, or just buy my book and do it yourself because mm -hmm. you know that's awesome too yeah, yeah it's valuable work so thank you <laughs> no thanks for having me i was literally watching crybaby last week um my internet went out and so you know you have some go-to movies that you pop in uh when that happens um and then i got your email and, and i immediately thought like oh i should do crybaby and then I went ahead and look at your suggested list. Here's the list of things that we haven't <laughs> yeah. had anyone do yet. And Crybaby was first. And I'm like, yes, this is meant to be. Absolutely a sign. Yeah. So uh, when did like, when did you find your way to Crybaby? Was it like when it came out or um, I feel like a lot of people find, found it later. It was a little bit of a sleeper hit. Right. I actually texted my mom last night to ask her if she knew a little bit better because I have a terrible memory. So while mm. I love this movie and and I can find myself like reciting lines while I'm watching it, um, I, I do worry a little bit how much I'll be able to remember during a podcast interview. Um, but I asked my mom and she was like, I think it was on TV. And and then what I remember, like, so I saw it on TV and I must've fallen in love with it. But what I remember really well is this is an era of going to Blockbuster Video every weekend mm -hmm. and me begging to rent Crybaby every single <laughs> week, every time. And my stepdad at the time was like, no, like eventually he's like, no, pick something else. Like he's, He's kind of a sour guy anyway. There's probably a reason that that didn't last uh, with him and my mom, but but eventually he got like annoyed with me for just wanting to watch that movie over and over again. And so it was that one 
Rocky Horror, Earth Girls Are Easy. Uh, <laughs> so I am heavily, heavily uh, influenced by movies that were absolutely too old for me to be watching. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the that was the joy of Blockbuster, I feel like, just wandering around and looking at the boxes. Like, I had literal nightmares about Freddy Krueger right. when I was a kid because the box is terrifying. I didn't see right. the movie for years, <laughs> right. but the box was terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, this is actually one of the few movies where I can pinpoint when I saw it for the first time because I saw it much later. And I got it from, so I, I'm originally from the UK, and I got it from um, Love Film, which was the uh, mail order DVD oh, okay. rental in the UK and um it just came one day because I realized I'd never seen it and I watched it and my roommate wasn't home and I just remember I must have been like 25 26 just being absolutely mind blown and like jumping on like whatever <laughs> I am it was at the time for who is awake I need to talk about this <laughs> and my friend Kat was because she was a uh, she used to well she still does make costumes for theater and she was she always stayed up late making things and I was like, oh my God, have you ever seen Cry Baby? It's the best film I've ever seen in my life. And she was <laughs> like, she's like, wait, I'm going to find a turret of it. And then she texted me like two hours later and was like, this is the best film I've ever seen in my life. Like, yes. This and I feel, I feel like as far as like John Waters uh, legacy, I almost feel like Cry Baby doesn't get the respect it deserves, mm -hmm. uh, that everyone's all about hairspray mm -hmm. or or like, you know, the earlier stuff, because it's so shocking. Um, but goddamn, like Crybaby is just a good movie. And I, I, when, when we booked this interview, I was like, well, not only did I just finish watching this again, um, but let me watch the bonus, uh, bonus content. And he's talking about how there are like three different versions, three different cuts because he was uh, under contract to deliver certain things with a major movie studio. There's also his cut, like his preferred cut. Then there's the stuff that they filmed, but cut out because it didn't work, you know, regular movie stuff. And, and I've seen every cut. And I, I remember thinking, why is my, why is the one I'm renting different from the one on TV, which is different from the DVD I got later. Um, and I really think that he actually benefited from having a big movie studio say, no, cut this, cut this, like to trim it down, like trim the fat for real. Like John Waters is so, you know, weird and, and mm -hmm. wonder, wonderful. But to, to, I think the, the best version is when his point of view is filtered through just like normal, good Hollywood movie making. And the stuff that got cut, I find often just like, yeah, it isn't necessary. It weighs it down. It just makes it longer. Like we don't need it. Um, and I have no point to that other than to say, like, <laughs> I, I, I really watch this movie a lot and I have a strong opinion about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so this movie came out after Hairspray. So I think, and, you know, sort of reading up on it, this was the only one of his films where like studios were bidding to get this movie. Right. Because Hairspray was so huge. Everybody wanted whatever the next John Waters movie was going to be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he had that kind of pressure, but, you know, sometimes they say like limitations force creativity or they kind of like force yes. you to really 
hone your skills and your vision. And, um, you know, he, he definitely keyed in on something here, but it like doesn't lose any of the trademark, like John Waters trashiness. It like doesn't skimp on any of the irreverence or the shock value at all. No, I was thinking like the most disgusting thing I've ever seen (laughs) in a movie is when this lady is drinking her own tears. That is so wretched to me. I just, I literally, I turn away. Like (laughs) every time I close my eye, I hide my eyes. Like, I don't want to see, I, I turned it down so I wouldn't have to hear her. And it's, and so when I turn it down and I still watch it, I'm like, it's, he directed her to be so sexual drinking Mm -hmm. these tears this is the most disgusting thing (laughs) so yes it's obviously very very John Waters he did not lose himself in this at all yeah or like the scene where they're um everybody's everybody's making out and it's like you're not just French kissing you're just like licking each other's faces it's disgusting I was gonna say the tongue the tongue (laughs) moment so many tongues so many tongues (laughs) Yeah, I, yeah. I saw in the commentary that they didn't tell any of the actors, like the background actors, that they'd have to do that until right <laughs> before they shot the scene. So they wow. said, okay, and now everyone's going to make out and we need a lot of tongue. Okay, mm-hmm. action. And, and they just had to do it. And it's like, oh my God, like, I just hope they had a mint. <laughs> they, but they all did a great job. They're all, they're all doing a great job. But it's so funny to juxtapose that against... Um, at the end when she's trying to get him out of jail and pleading her case and singing please mr jailer like and he licks the 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 window between them while they're talking mm-hmm. on the phone what is that called that that place in a prison where you talk between a glass window yeah, i don't know yeah you, you get what i'm saying but anyway he licks the glass and they're singing and it's like the hottest thing i've ever seen <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and under normal circumstances, I'd be like, ew, that glass is dirty, you know, right. <laughs> but I'm like totally into it. Oh my God. What a weird movie. Yeah, it is. I mean, and there are, there are a lot of really strange parts of this movie, but they also, they like, they work, but it's because you're always at that like heightened level of weirdness with the John Waters movie. You just kind of like, your tolerance is so much higher <laughs> and, oh, and I, things that you would have thought would have been gross or weird or unacceptable you're just like you're in that world now and yeah, that's and, just how it is and I think it's totally to the credit of all the actors for selling it a hundred percent like mm-hmm. like they are not like uh oh I'm just here for the paycheck or oh this is so dumb I can't believe we're doing this like they are giving us this performance even though it's over the top ridiculous they're selling it and that makes it like believable that puts you in the world and, and it makes it so that you accept what's happening yeah i mean should we should we talk about the cast for a minute because I mean, we should the there cast. is <laughs> there's some stunt casting in this <laughs> i mean johnny depp was kind of you know at the peak of his 29 jump street 21 jump street 21 jump street 29 (laughs) jump street whole other thing totally fine to be a 29 year old you know what i think at my age i'd feel more comfortable watching 29 jump street now than 21 jump street i think it's a little too young for me um show me 29 jump street Yeah, yeah and and to be fair like i feel uncomfortable about the fact that we're talking about Johnny Depp and promoting mm-hmm. something he's in. And, and I realize there's a lot 
of internet back and forth about he said, she said, and and like, so it's just really unfortunate to have something that's probably a really traumatic, terrible thing, terrible relationship with him and Amber Heard. And there's no way that I know exactly what's going on. I don't know that anyone can say exactly what's going on. Um, but but it was obviously something's not right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. someone, someone's are hurting, like something bad's going on. And and so I feel uncomfortable talking about Johnny Depp uh, so much, but I, I also know that, I mean, I can tell you truthfully that I was obsessed with this movie and, and loved Crybaby Walker, but I never actually had a crush on Johnny Depp like a lot of people did. And I, mm. and I always thought it, I thought it was kind of strange actually. Like I really didn't care about him like other girls did in other movies I just cared about this movie and this character and these people and that's not an excuse because I'm a weirdo I mean I had a crush on Gary Oldman <laughs> you know and David Duchovny like men that are way older than me like uh, and problematic yeah, yeah. too you know so I'm, I'm just being honest but I I, I want to try to just avoid talking about Johnny Depp as much as possible I that's... don't know yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I do feel like this was a different role for him. Yes. Um, there's something there's something about the like exaggerated, just very weird line readings that he does in a lot of this movie that sort of just takes it away from any of the other more straightforward things. I mean, he did a lot of weird movies at this time, but like there's something else entirely going on here, which does really take it away from I, yeah. I can understand why you would have a crush on the character. Yeah, um, there's like a separation. Yeah, there was a separation yeah. there and that I couldn't explain, but maybe that's it. You're right. But I think it's also, you know, like we were saying too, because, the, you know, he's part of a world and not sort of an isolated actor playing a part, you know? And I think that's also to do with the strength of the rest of the cast and the performance of the rest of the cast and how like, his care like crybaby is part of like a family of delinquents you know yeah. and they and that is a really key part to how they like operate in this world like they're a they're a unified front <laughs> and um that i think kind of helps with that that separation where you don't see it as much for like the one person even though it's like named after the yeah that's called true. crybaby after his character but like, right it's a true ensemble cast you're right yeah 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 so we we got ricky lake straight from hairspray amazing and it's kind of like awesome that she you know she's straight from hairspray but she was fine with being part of this ensemble like hairspray felt like her movie yeah this is much more of an ensemble situation um hatchet face I know yeah. amazing sadly that <laughs> just apparently passed away a couple of years ago but oh she <laughs> Apparently, she ended up in the movie because John Walters placed um, a print advertisement that said, wanted, girl with good body and an alarming face who is proud of it. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> she was like, that's me. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with my face. I got character. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I, I, I've been thinking about new War on Women merch because we're going to go on tour again. And I was like, I think I just need Hatchet Face and then <laughs> War on Women. 
you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so look at any illustrators out there. Let me know. Let's do, let's do a hatchet face shirt. <laughs> I mean, 100% there's something, on board. <laughs> but there's something really beautiful about like just the self-possession and acceptance of hatchet face in this, in this group. Oh, this yeah. is like the pressure that's on the squares, mm -hmm. the women yes. involved in the squares to look a certain way and behave a certain way. Hatchet face is just 100% herself and has a man who loves her. Yeah, is like uh, making out all the time. Everybody <laughs> always is telling her how beautiful she is. It's amazing. It's like so affirming. <laughs> but and then it's they're great. all they're all like outsiders misfits, right? Like mm -hmm, that there right. is like the drape family is a chosen family. Yeah. And mm -hmm. there's something really, really beautiful about that, that they, they all don't fit a mold or are judged by society. You know, poor Tracy Lords, you know, her character is just that she's just she's just drawn that way. You know, it ain't her yeah. fault. She's just drawn that way. So and yet society, you know, won't accept her. So she's part of the Drape family, too. Yeah, I mean, Tracy Lords is like that's another sort of stunt in some ways casting moment i mean she's great in this movie but Perfect. she was still yeah you couldn't nobody could have done that role the same but she was still pretty much in the news for the fallout from turning out to be an underage porn actress and yeah. uh, there was i think paparazzi hanging around the set i um, i heard that still. the fbi came to the set wow. and tried to I don't know if it's arrest her or serve her or something. They basically wanted her to testify and uh, for a court case that she didn't want to. Um, that's that's the info I got from the commentary. And they they tried to keep them away. And it, and then it was so it was like hard. It was hard on her during the filming. And she, you know, she just wanted to do a good job. She wanted to do something else and separate herself from her tumultuous past. And what a more welcoming environment yeah. than than a John Waters production full exactly. of freaks, you know? Uh -huh. Everyone was like, who gives a shit? We've all been arrested, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, they do not care. And and I think that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. It's like the drapes. I was just trying to find the, I get, <laughs> the Wikipedia cast list is a little confusing. I was trying to look at the parents because they're all like, we've got Mink Stoll, who's in all of yeah John yeah Walter's movies but troy donahue um patricia hurst um the guy who was playing um hatchet faces boyfriend's father mm -hmm. this is they're all on with their last names which is making it really hard to like place them <laughs> against the people whose parents they are but he <laughs> is part of warhol's fat um factory Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Lil Joe. So he was, um, yeah, part of that scene. And the woman playing his wife was some kind of 66 symbol. Yeah, just the incredible caliber of people that are turning up to deliver two or three lines. Right. And parents. Right, yeah. right. They're not in it for very long. They don't say much, but dang, do they make an impact. And they live i mean i i used to know uh the woman speaking in tongues i used to know that part by heart i would say it to myself <laughs> a thousand words um and 
sometimes when things wouldn't go my way, I would say, no, I got a flat tire uh, to myself. <laughs> you know, like, like this, this movie was like in my gray matter, in my folds, for sure. Because um, they make such an impact and there's such perfect little, little care, little moments. Like, you know that these people are real and just when like even if the camera turns away from them they're still going about their lives in this mm -hmm. world you know they still exist <laughs> yeah well one thing i wanted to ask you is, is just about the baltimore of it all you know and um if this movie has been just in rotation for you because you loved it or you know being from baltimore like how you know how it resonates with you on that level well crystal that's the interesting thing i'm not <laughs> I'm not from Baltimore. Oh. I, I moved around a lot growing up. I, I'm a Texan native, uh, but I also lived on the West Coast uh, for a while. And then I went to high school in Nashville. And so this is when I was living in LA. Um, and so it was like elementary school is when I discovered uh, Crybaby. And so Baltimore was like, I'd never been that far East. It just seemed like another world. I didn't know mm -hmm. anything about it. And just, I just happened to find myself in Baltimore. I really, I really don't, I don't think it's connected. I'm not that odd. Um, no, no. It just, that's just how life worked out for me. Um, but in moving to Baltimore, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. John Waters. Like, oh, cool. Crybaby. That's awesome. Um, and when I moved here, especially, I think less now he spends a lot of time in New York, but when I moved here, it's like, he's still going to bars like my friends would serve him uh as bartenders and you know he'd show up at some of my favorite places like i i maybe only ran into him like once um but even i had a job at a custom frame shop uh because that that's one of the things that i know how to do is framing <laughs> which is i can i can i can do custom framing i can fix your amplifier and i can teach bystander intervention um, so all valuable skills. And sometimes I sing, <laughs> right? Um, but I worked at a custom frame shop and, and the shop where I worked for a while, that's where he got all his framing done for all of his art shows. And so he's come mm -hmm. in before to like look at stuff while the owner like shows him around. Um, so yeah, just it's definitely small to more, you know, that's like a well-earned mm -hmm. uh, nickname for the city. But finding myself here, I would just every now and again, I'd see something like, oh, I think that was in that other movie, um, the, the movie with the kid from Terminator or whatever, uh, whatever that one's called. Um, and then I think I lived here when he was filming A Low Down Dirty Shame. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of cool to find myself here, but that's not, that's not how I found the movie or why yeah. I was obsessed with it. Like it just worked out that way. I mean, I think that's, a, that's, it's interesting regardless, you know, whether you had been there or just found yourself there because, you know, in creating, in creating a world in John Waters movies, he does like make it very Baltimore specific, but like also in a way that feels accessible if you're not there yeah. and you don't know, it's just like these little like, uh, you know, Easter eggs that are kind of in there. It's like inside jokes. If you either watch the movie a thousand times right. or if you've lived there and you like know that place or that person or that word or that accent, like, um, you know, yeah, those I are will the say, kind of things. I will say they don't have the Baltimore accent in, in, in his movies nearly enough, nearly, nearly yeah. as, 
<laughs> to the degree that people actually speak that way, that there's not a lot of Baltimoreese. And I think like, it's cause it's weird. It's a weird accent <laughs> that's yeah. like not always easy to decipher. Um, but I, I did end up going to the Enchanted Forest uh, where they sing Mr. Sandman. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen I've seen that big black duck and like all the other stuff in there in the castle like I don't think it's there anymore um, but it was there for a long time and it was just a place where you could just walk around it was just kind of like a park honestly and that was really cool to walk through that and be like oh, I'm in the Enchanted Forest <laughs> I'm in a theme park the first mm -hmm. of its kind in Baltimore um, I had a question about the um confederate flag oh iconography <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was a little i mean it's a little shocking to see it um as the backdrop to where uh crybaby's band are playing mm -hmm. i think that's pretty much the only place it appears there might yeah. be a few more around yeah it's, it's at turkey yeah. point um right but but yeah it, it shows up a couple times and and I noticed that too this time around um, in my most recent viewing. Uh, but I think that what's cool about John Waters is that like he he shows you that things are fucked up as mm -hmm. far as like segregation and discrimination. Um, and I think he's being accurate to the time, obviously. I think it's good that he reminds people that Maryland is a Southern state and yeah. and has its own fucked up past like like to like i'm from texas right and so like to 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 southerners and southwesterners maryland that seems like a northern east coast state yeah but to northerners maryland is the south it really is this weird thing um and so i think he's just showing us like the way it was and like uh, the scene where uh, all the drapes at Turkey Point are getting rounded up and going to to jail or whatever so that their parents can bail them out. Like they're they're showing us that like all the people, all the black people are being put in a truck with no mm -hmm. cover, uh, men and women together and going straight to the prison, right? Like they're not going to the courthouse to have their yeah. parents vouch for them. They go straight to fucking jail. Yeah. And then the white kids are separated, men and women, and then, you know, go to the courthouse or whatever. And like, that's just John Waters telling us, like, this is the way it was when I was a kid or when I was growing up or, or whatever. And I think that that's like important to see, honestly. Yeah, I noticed that too as well this time around. We watched it like in the prison scenes. It was crybaby, and then pretty much everybody else was was black or a person of color. And it's like that that's intentional. You know, that is absolutely intentional. I'm like, yes, this is a teen exploitation movie and we're going to do the jail, the jailhouse uh, musical number. Right. But like, here's actually the reality behind this kind of silly thing that we're doing right now. But versus like, versus when those movies were actually coming out originally, when they probably didn't want any person of color on screen. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so they were just showing white people being delinquents, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> But like, and so I actually think it's it's interesting because it's more accurate uh, than how these things were portrayed in movies um, back then. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. like they're, they're friends, like, like black and white people are friends. And like, that's true in Maryland. Like it's, there's like, like Baltimore is a majority black city. 
And so like, there's obviously there's a lot of weird segregation from the top down and a lot of income inequality and like, like the city is certainly fucked up. Um, but as just far as like who lives here, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of like different people that are friends and live together and like work together, you know, like it's an integrated city socially, not uh, politically or I don't know, like the city is corrupt, but <laughs> the, the, the state is corrupt, not necessarily uh, the people, <laughs> the citizens. Yeah. But it's like, you know, what John Waters does in his movies too is kind of shows that like everybody's flawed. Like it, mm. no one, no one is perfect and nothing is really, nothing can be taken at face value. You know, he like sets up this, this opposition of like the squares and the drapes, but like the, the squares are kind of, they're socially acceptable, but like, they're actually still kind of dirtbags. They're just they're like, assholes, mean? right? Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, the drapes are delinquents, uh, but, you know, they have a sense of family, but they are also like part of, you know, have Confederate flags all over the place. And like, you know, everybody is kind of flawed, um, you know, but where I, I think that's what's really interesting about a lot of John Waters movies is he like gives it puts it back on us like you you decide who's the good guy in this story I'm just here to make the movie <laughs> right yeah and I, I always thought that was kind of like punk like yeah I, I don't know I kind, I kind of related to punk where like it's a chosen family and everyone's flawed um and it's a bunch of misfits and outcasts that that find each other um and and we're trying to like fight against the status quo and if the squares aren't status quo i don't know what is mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah then um mrs mrs vernon williams pretty quickly realizes they're having more fun over on the drape side as soon as <laughs> well it's interesting actually that it's like she it seems to be seeing ricky lake's children being taken away that's like the turning point that's that her. is and it's and it's like yeah that happens and all of a sudden she's like cool skulls and bones you know like (laughs) she's like all of a sudden like a total tough bra like it's so weird it's so weird how quick it is but um but I think that's really that was really clever to be like yeah if these folks are taking away children then then what do they really stand for Right, I might be on the wrong side of history yeah (laughs) I love how intelligent (laughs) we're talking like like how we're really we're really parsing this out and I really wonder like what John Waters thinks if he was like this is it this is or or if it just I don't know I don't know it's just interesting like I wonder how intellectually he thinks about it because sometimes you know just as someone that makes music and and does artistic things it's like sometimes you're like you can analyze what you're doing fully and you're like I know what all this means and it's all important and integral um, and sometimes you luck out and you can use like post justification uh, to explain something or you're like, oh, that's what that means two years later. Like, right. oh, oh, I did a good job, you know, <laughs> like you or it's like innate and you don't even know what you're doing. So I don't know. I'm just curious about I feel like movie making. There's almost more time put into it, like mm-hmm. and, and a lot of different stages versus writing and recording a record that that's a couple stages but it's not like 10 stages right yeah so i wonder i wonder how he he thought about that stuff hi naomi here just popping in to let you know that we have a brand new website you can find us at baserbitchesmovieclub.com 
This will be your one-stop shop to find all of our previous episodes, watch the movie trailers, and learn more about all of our guests. So that's basicbitchesmovieclub.com. All right, back to the show. Well, this uh, might be a good segue to talk about the music because um, I read a piece about this movie a couple of years ago and I cannot find it. I have no idea where it was. But um, John Waters was talking about the soundtrack of this movie, both like the existing songs that they used and the songs that were written for the movie. And what was very important to him as someone who grew up in the area was that this wasn't just era specific music, this was location specific music and that there were certain bands happening in Baltimore at that time that he wanted reflected in this movie. So certainly on that level, he was thinking about it a lot. <laughs> I mean, he's so Baltimore, he's so pro Baltimore that like, one thing I wondered when I moved here is like, you know, it's that thing where it's like, maybe maybe Baltimore doesn't love him back, you know? Like you, you, you never know, yeah. right? If someone's associated with a place, like you don't know how the people that live there actually feel about him. Um, you know, some, some towns and some towns, Warren women is famous. Right. And like, <laughs> but it's not everywhere and it's not in Baltimore. <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know. I always, I thought that was, I was curious to find that out. And, and then when I got here, everyone was like, yeah, fuck yeah, John Waters. You know, <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. They weren't, you know, it wasn't like, oh my God, he's our only identity kind mm -hmm. of thing. But they were like, well, yeah, fuck yeah. John Waters. He's cool he can you know yeah people eat shit in his movies great <laughs> go, go baltimore you know like there's this really lovely like acceptance of of weirdos and and authenticity here mm -hmm. that i really like um i don't remember your question what was your question though oh i was just talking about the, mu the music specifically. oh the music yeah so it's yeah, like of course yeah. of course he's like yeah baltimore music like he's like one big Ad, walking advertisement for for Baltimore and I I really kind of love again that might be one of those things where when you put a limitation on mm -hmm. something it kind of lets your creativity flourish or it, it creates more interesting choices uh working within some confines and and I think having everything he does be Baltimore specific is a wonderful way to put put some confines around what you're doing and see what happens yeah I mean it ends up with um I mean, I, I love the music in this movie. Like, you think about something like, all I can think of is Grease, but something that was made later, but set in the 50s. There's a very, like, sort of cookie cutter 50 sound that people go for when they're write, writing the songs. And I don't, then that didn't happen here clearly for this reason. So if you think about, like, the song that Crybaby plays with his band, it's like this weird, it's like that period of time when rock and roll was just emerging, but things were kind of still country-ish, like the early sure. Wanda Jackson songs. And like, yeah, just early R&B. Yeah. 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 And and I think like, you know, Greece, to use that example again, it's like they wrote those songs, like those are musical numbers. That's yeah. like those songs are for a musical. And there's something about the song, the original songs in this movie that's more just like, here are some good songs that sound like that time period. And it's not necessarily like, it's, I don't know, it's hard to describe. It's like, there's still big numbers and there's a lot going on and there's a story being told, but it still sounds like maybe you would have heard it on the radio for real. 
Yeah. Instead of like, we're ready for stage, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, not sure that, like, none of the songs are like moving the narrative in the way that they might in a musical. Like, they, like, yeah, I'm just thinking about the, I mean, Please Mr. Jailer is potentially the, the one that is telling a, that moment in the story, but like, they're, they're more about embellishing what's already occurring than like, I need to get a whole load of exposition in and I'm going to see right. that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a lot of exposition. It's not like yeah. new plot points being discovered. You're right. It's like supporting what's happening that's also just being portrayed in real time or, or uh, in their eyes or, or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, God. Um, I think I, I always really loved uh, when when Amy Locaine's Allison and, and mm -hmm. Crybaby sing together for the first time and she's like really reserved and doesn't know how to do it and then she's like okay if I'm gonna be a, a drape I'm gonna be a drape and then she belts it out and everyone's yeah. like yeah and like <laughs> everyone's all supportive of her becoming a drape which I, I also think is like interesting like that might not actually happen in punk. They'd be like, you're a poser, you know, but, <laughs> um, but that's like ideal here. And then Please Mr. Jailer is one of my favorite songs of all time, period, the end. <laughs> I, I really wanted to talk about it on this podcast because it's uh, my, basically when I think about that song, I think like, this is like so sexy. <laughs> And it doesn't deserve to be like, we don't deserve this song. Like the song is so fucking hot mm -hmm. and they're also being really funny with it. Yeah. And like giving us these moments of like the guy dancing with Tracy Lords, like his head is about to explode. He can't stand it. Cause she's so sexy. Like that's really funny. And then like the, the grandma uh, being like all like doing her best to be hot too. And um and everyone giving, uh, you know, pregnant Ricky Lake's character <laughs> a chance to be sexy. Like that's yeah. so, it's so cool and it's so funny. Um, but it's like, God damn, it's one of the sexiest scenes. I, I, basically this movie is, uh, along with Rocky Horror, like formed my sexuality at a young age <laughs> that I'm like, how did my mom allow this, you know? <laughs> like but my mom was like oh they're good movies go ahead you know she she's a very cool mom I have a cool mom for the record <laughs> but like the fact the fact that I could rent this every weekend and just like watch please with the jailer it's like no wonder my stepdad was like uh you need a break <laughs> <laughs> how about the goonies right <laughs> but yeah. like that's such a funny song as well because you know lyrically he's saying don't make a lifer out of me but the, the delivery it's like he's so horny he smashes through plate glass yes mm -hmm. he's got to get out and have sex with her <laughs> let him have sex with her please <laughs> oh my gosh and she's like yeah let him have sex with me yeah. right okay, well that's like she by that scene she is like fully oh. accepted that she's owning that there's a, she's a drape now this is her identity because like right yeah. at the beginning she's like I'm so sick of being good. And yes. then we like see her sing at that charm school thing. And it's like kind of boring and like, you know, but and th like, I kind of felt like every musical moment she had was just like more of a progression into yes. like, that final scene. 
Yes. Because yes. yeah, when she sings with when she sings with um with Crybaby's band, she's a little not sure. And then she just lets it rip. And you're like, yeah, there she is. Like this is that's her. And then she yeah. tries to sing again at the Enchanted Castle. And she's even like, this is bullshit. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's all a progression. And she's like having to make this choice of of, of who to be with, who does she want to be. And at the end, please, Mr. Jailer, that's like her Sandy in the black jumpsuit moment. <laughs> yeah. agrees. You know, she's like, it's it's just so, it's just such a perfect song. And I got to tell you, okay, so there is a group here in Baltimore called the Baltimore Rock Opera Society. And they go by bros for short. Nice. <laughs> and so bros, they write and perform rock operas. Um, and of of varying you know professionality i don't know what the word is but you know uh it's a fun thing if if you're into that sort of thing um and they they put they tweeted something a few weeks ago where they acquired the bar from uh the grandma and uncle belvedere's uh place where they live out in turkey point the bar oh, wow. it's, it's like tufted red leather looking pleather and there's like i don't there's like a spider on it or something i don't know there's some like decal on it like to make it look like evil and rockabilly um and so bros acquired that bar and they showed a picture of it and i was like if you do something related to crybaby i will fucking kill myself if you don't let me be involved in some way and they were like yeah okay fine like calm down um, down. <laughs> but I was like, let me sing, please, Mr. Jailer. Oh my God. I'll bleach my hair again for that, you know? Uh, yeah. So be amazing. Dreams do come true, you know? <laughs> I'm, cross <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing my fingers. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that would be incredible. But this is also the kind of stuff that, that can happen, you know? that Those props are just hanging out in Baltimore somewhere. Somewhere. You know? <laughs> but what a giant prop to get. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> And I heard like, I heard like, it's not actually a working bar, it's a set piece. Mm. And so like, they're like, we actually don't know what to do with it because we can't serve drinks. And I'm like, make it a bar, you idiots, come on. Like, <laughs> you have a piece of history. This is important, like make it a working bar. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if there's uh, anything else you want to add about Crybaby. We should probably, uh, you know, wrap it up here. But um, let's see. I, mean, I talked about how I was too young to watch it. Right. And it's too sexy for my own good. And um, those are the major, major points major I wanted to, to yep. get out uh, uh, tonight. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, no, I just it's like I just think it's super fun and it's clever and 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 it's not uh and i prefer i probably prefer the big huge movie studio edit sorry diehard waters fans <laughs> you know but I, I mean i think there's there's some truth in that though you know i mean and he kind of got a, a little bit of a taste of it with the hairspray being such a huge hit because after that it was like hairspray then cry baby and then serial mom right mm -hmm. and like right. you know it, so it's we see there was some progression there and you know it's uh he, he learned how to work with a budget and work within some limitations too <laughs> there's a lot that you can do if you're not just like 
uh, you have a budget of whatever change you find in the couch and whatever friends you can get to show up <laughs> on a given day. <laughs> right. But, um, but still staying like true to, true to where you're from, what you like, what you want to yeah. say. Um, you know, and I think that's really, that's what I've always found really inspiring about uh, John Waters movies and just his kind of general mentality. Yes. Yeah. He's, he is a treasure of Baltimore and I'm very happy to be in the same city that, that he's from. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, what, what else? Uh, I know you just said you're going on tour. You announced this like huge tour, which sounds amazing. And if you want to tell the people about that and what else is going on with you and Warren Women. Yeah, we are lucky enough to get to open for Bad Religion and Alkaline Trio this fall and tickets are on sale now. And this was a tour that was canceled because of COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. We were we were actually set to leave on this tour a, a week before everything shut down. And, and luckily it got canceled before we got in the van. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were just kind of crossing our fingers that we'd get to do it again with the same same people, same bands. And luckily they were like, yeah, we'll still take War Women, fine. Uh, so we get to do the tour, which is great. Um, we, and it means we have to get our shit together and try to be good at playing again. <laughs> yeah, that is a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I have to work on my voice for sure. I, I, I took a long time off of not yelling every day. And mm -hmm. so I need to get my get my chops back up. And uh, but we have rehearsal uh, every Wednesday. So we're getting there. We're getting there. And um, other than that tour, I just hope that people know bands need your help. Uh, if you can donate, if you can buy merch, if you can buy music, um, get it directly to the bands. Like these are tough times, you know, we'll we'll will gladly take your help right now. Uh, our trusty van died uh, right as oh. we right as we got this tour. Um, so we didn't really budget for that expense. Um, and so we're in a tough spot. So we, we might be might be letting people know where they can donate <laughs> to us if yeah, they definitely. if they really feel like it and they don't want just another black shirt, which I understand. Um, <laughs> sometimes you're like, you know what, here's ten dollars so that my closet stays uh as small as it is <laughs> you, know, you all have pretty great merch though so i will oh, thank you. <laughs> well we will once we get our hatchet face series yes. going oh, yeah okay pretty excited but, about that yeah and so other than that if people could just buy my book making spaces safer that'd be awesome but you can uh just search warm women and see what we're up to or go to shawnapotter.com to find out more awesome thank you Perfect. so much for doing this and uh it's so fun to talk to you and to talk about crybaby so oh my gosh i know same <laughs> thank you thank you so much for uh giving me this opportunity to to beam about this movie yeah I appreciate that's, it. that's all we can ask of anybody <laughs> <laughs> thanks y'all cool thanks so much all right thanks bye bye you've been listening to basic bitches movie club produced by us basic bitches if you would like to know more about us, please visit basicbitchesband.com. Don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe to this podcast on your provider of choice.